Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Dewey Burke. Dewey, we are recording this the day after UNC beat Duke in the Dean Dome last night, 82-78. So just to start things off, what were your impressions? I heard that you were actually at this one. I was. I was uh, fortunate enough to be in the building and uh, spent really the whole day there. So I was able to go to shoot around and catch up with Coach Williams, which was great. And just a great basketball game. That was one of the things that was really fun. It was a a pretty clean and enjoyable basketball game. As somebody that watches a lot of NBA, sometimes college games just are and and can be tougher to watch just because the the level of play isn't quite as high. And even though the passion's there, just the skill level isn't always there. And last night it was. So it was a great basketball game to watch, I thought, even if you didn't have a dog in the fight, even though I uh, obviously did and and we all do. It was a great basketball game. And we can get into my opinions and, and I'll tell you about you know, what I thought the differences were, but uh, I thought it was just a great game for the sport. Competitive, great athletes, good shooting, low turnovers, not a lot of fouls, not a lot of questionable calls. I just really was happy with the product on the floor. It was good for our game. Especially in that first half, the offense was up and down, and I felt that it was not necessarily a game where defense was optional. To me, that first half that saw so much scoring was just a prime example of two offenses that were just making the plays. I mean, they were running and hitting the shots that their styles are designed to get their players open for. I think it's a good point. The offense was terrific. At one point, particularly when we got down 40 to 28, I looked up and I thought to myself, they might score 65 points in this half, the way this is going. And that was a stretch that really it could have got away from us. But it didn't. We dug in, and we got a little bit better on the backboard in the last part of the first half, which obviously carried through in the second half, and made some tough, gutty shots to only be down four with how well I thought they played. To me, going into their locker room, they had to think, that's about as hard as we can punch, and we're only up by four. And I knew, and well, hoped anyway, that there was no way they were going to shoot 60% again in the second half. I was hoping that the pace of the first half and the continued pace in the second half would get to their legs, and I did think that happened. I thought our our style eventually wore them out, and that was a big part of the difference of the game. But my two thoughts uh, as it relates to the Duke side in the first half was I thought they might score 65, and I thought Bagley might have 40 rebounds because he had, I looked up, I feel like seven minutes of the game, he already had eight rebounds. But uh you know, we were able to kind of take that punch from them. And my understanding at halftime was it was, you know, it was pretty fired up in there and guys felt good about the fact that we were only down four. And I thought we just came out and punched them right in the face, right at the start of the second half and they never recovered. And we did that because I thought mentally we were so attentive. And when you're, when you are into the game from a mental perspective, more than you ever have been, you're a step closer on closeouts. You help and recover a little bit faster, which gives up less open threes. You get more of those 50-50 balls. You box out a little bit harder when you're playing against a guy that's so much bigger than you like we were most of the times in the post. And I just was so proud of our mental and physical intensity, particularly as we came out of the locker room, that that was the difference to me. I know we made shots, and that was important, and we can talk about specific plays, but to me – Every guy was so mentally there 
And I don't think you can say the same thing about Duke. I don't think those guys wanted it like our guys wanted it, and that's why we won. Yeah, let's start breaking this down kind of piece by piece. So out of the Tar Heel players, who do you think had the biggest impact on that victory? Because I have someone in mind, but I want to get your thoughts on that first, Dewey. Sure. For me, it was Cam Johnson. I think Cam and Kenny obviously both played fantastic and made shots, and that was important. But Cam, to me, his level of effort was better than it's been at any point this season. And for him to go out and grab 13 rebounds, being dramatically undersized, playing some four and three for us, but just looking out there, some of the plays in the first half when Bagley and Carter were going out for rebounds, it was like they were playing by themselves. Uh, just how high above the rim they were capable of playing. And for us to deal with that adversity and figure out how we were going to win those little battles ourselves, I thought Cam was exemplary in that regard. There were a couple of possessions in the second half where he was guarding Bagley, and he just was tireless. He worked and worked and worked to not get posted up, to front the, fo- front the post, to find a way to get rebounds, a couple tip-outs. I just thought he was fantastic. You knew that Joel Berry was going to be Joel Berry. You were hoping and confident that Luke May would give us a good game. I think you always felt that Theo was going to be there and create plays for us. Were Kenny and Cam going to be the difference and make enough shots? And Kenny was fantastic on both ends of the floor. But to me, for Cam to grab 13 rebounds in his first ever Duke Carolina game, he was the guy for me. It's really hard to argue with that. Cam would be my guy as well, but I think that 1B closely behind him was Joel Berry. And I give a lot of the credit to Joel because of the way that he was able to attack the basket in that second half. I don't think that Carolina makes that run that really put the game away without Joel's ability to take guys off the dribble and actually finish at the rim for this one. Completely agree. And I don't know if it was able to be seen on TV because I haven't watched the game yet. I will. But there was a stretch in the first half where Duvall had that dunk and made a couple plays and he started chirping at Joel and that didn't go over well. And I, I know it didn't go over well based on talking to the coaches afterwards and and then how Joel felt in the locker room at halftime. But even if I didn't have that insight, you could see it on Joel's face, almost looking at this kid incredulously like you're, you're talking to the wrong guy if you're going to start chirping at me. And And you could just see it in his body language, on his face. Everything changed for him. Uh, I want to say eight minutes to go in the first half. And it was like, oh, okay, this freshman thinks he's going to come into my gym and talk to me like that. Okay. And from that point on, to your point, he was ultra aggressive. No question he was the best guard on the court. Got to the rim. It actually shocked me when I looked at the box after the game that he shot one for eight from three. It just felt like he made a couple other big ones. I guess one of the ones he had his foot on the line, and then he made that really, really nice uh, shot fake two dribble pull up right in front of our bench that was, you know, like a 18 footer and clearly wasn't a three. Uh, but his 21 points felt like 35 because all his baskets were so big. Like you said, he attacked the rim. There was a great possession when we were making our run when Grayson already had three fouls and Joel had the ball in the middle of the floor. He had guys running on both sides, and he just said, I'm taking it. I'm going to the rim. Dare you to foul me because then you're going to have to go sit down. So he just – it's what you expect from him at this point. The kid is such a winner and and such a warrior. But it just was fun to see in person that – 
even as fired up as he probably already was, it then was taken to another level when one of their guys started barking at him, and I just loved it. It was it was so great to see, uh, and like he said after the game, he was never letting us lose his last home Duke game. You could tell that it just meant so much to these seniors, and they really laid it all out on the floor. The hustle plays really went Carolina's way in this one, and I think Carolina also let that energy allow them to out-rebound Duke, which was shocking. If you had told me after the first 10 minutes that Carolina would actually out-rebound the Blue Devils by six, I would have bet the entire house against that. So talk about how the Heels were able to close that gap and just in that second half, you know, just completely dominate the boards. Yeah, and it's a great point because at one point I looked up at the rebounding margin and we were minus seven. So to completely reverse that and end the game plus six, we had dug ourselves a pretty big hole in that regard and to come all the way back. And to me, it was what I was talking about before. It was just that little bit extra of mental attentiveness and and engagement from everybody that you're going to get that 50-50 ball that sometimes during this year we haven't always gotten. You're going to be that much closer on a closeout. So the three is a little bit more contested than some of the open ones we've been given up in, in recent games. So to me, it was just that that level of effort that this game brings out of you. And I know everybody wants to say, well, why can't they play like that every night? Well, why can't the fans be like they were last night too? You know, I mean, it's it's a hard thing because this game is just different. And you can feel it all day as a player, really all week as a player. When you get to the Smith Center for shoot-around five hours before the game, you can already feel it. It just isn't the same. And it's you can't replicate it except for when you're in the tournament and you're making a run and you know that if you lose, you go home. That's really the only other time that it feels this way. And so I know it's easy to say, well, well, they should play that way when, you know, on Monday when we play Notre Dame. Well, yeah, in theory, that should be the way you play every possession no matter what. But it's hard because it's just not the same thing. And the fans don't treat it the same. So it's difficult for the players to, to get all the way there. But that was the difference, is is you're that much further into the game that you hear coach say, five guys get to the backboard, we all have to rebound, and you just take it in a little bit differently. And you saw that last night. You saw, you know, if nothing else, Cam was going to try to get his hand on every possible rebound. The stretch where Garrison was in when we were stuck on 74 and he gets three offensive rebounds in basically one possession – in his mind, he believed that when that ball was going up off the rim, it was his. He believed it was his. And hopefully he can learn from that and, and start to do that more consistently. But other than someone like Tyler Hansborough, who played like that every possession, whether it was Wofford or Duke, it, it can be hard for guys to bring it like that every possession of every single game. But we did it last night, and... I just thought we wanted it more than them. And so you, they can have their talent and they can have their draft picks and everything. Our guys wanted it more. And you could see that it meant more to us than it meant to them. And that's why we won. You brought up the defense a couple of times now, Dewey. And just from my you know, untrained eye, it looked like the Heels did a better job of closing out Duke's three-point shooters. Duke only ended up shooting nine for 25 from three. Overall, they shot 48%, but a lot of those were the dunks inside when Duke was able to use the size of Bagley and Carter. But when you were looking at the outside shooting, it just looked like the heels had a little bit more in the tank. 
Did you see anything different from a scheme perspective? Because I know in the past, Roy usually has a little wrinkle for Duke on the defensive side. So what did you observe about that? Yeah, the biggest thing that I saw for the most part is even when the ball went into Bagley, who probably is going to be the number one pick, uh, and Carter, who's going to be definitely a first-round pick, when the ball went in the post of those guys, we didn't really double. And typically our our system dictates that when a guy catches it in the post, you kind of fake at him until he starts to make his move. And then if he takes a dribble, we're going to double down and then have rotations on the backside. And it's those rotations that we've been slow on at times this year, in addition to if we get beat on penetration, we've been you know overhelping. So what I saw is when the ball was going into the post, I think we just said, look, we're going to guard him straight up. Bagley's going to score. And I I was thinking before the game, Bagley might have 40 points against us, but it's going to be 22s or, you know, 15 twos and free throws. And that could be better than, you know, Trent or Allen combining for 12 threes. And I think that was the sentiment here that, look, Bagley's going to get his. And if we double him, he probably could still score over us anyway, or he could kick it out to a wide open shooter. So let's just let our guys in the post, even though we're undersized, play him straight up, work like hell to front and try to not allow the entry pass. And that way we can stay up and have more pressure on their perimeter players. And so because of that, I think we did a great job getting them off the three-point line. Now, you can't have everything. It's difficult to squeeze them on a three-point line and not uh, allow penetration. So all those guys did have a little bit easier time getting to the lane, especially Duvall. And Trent, too, got into the paint a couple times. And even Grayson, even though he only got to the line once. But I think it was more of a conscious decision that we're not going to double these post guys, just let them do what they're going to do and try to squeeze the shooters a little bit more. And I thought we did a great job of that. And then talking about specific plays, Dewey, what was one that really sticks out in your mind that was instrumental to the victory last night? So many plays come to mind. Obviously, guys made big plays throughout the game, especially in the second half. But to me, one of the plays of the game, if not the play of the game, was when we were up by three. I want to say there was two and a half, three minutes to go, and we'd been stuck on 74 for what felt like an eternity. And we were coming out of a timeout, ran a set play, didn't get a look immediately from you know from the uh, from the set itself. And then Kenny got to the rim and made just a perfect pass out to Cam for a wide open three, which he drilled. And I believe at one point I had looked up and we were 10 for 22 from three. And I want to say we finished 11 for 33 or, or uh, something like that. So we had missed a bunch in a row. And that shot put us up either five or six, I want to say six, and gave us enough breathing room that you felt like that was the shot that ultimately won the game for us. But we ran a great set. Everybody was in their spots. It didn't happen to represent itself in a, in an open look. But then Kenny made a great play just out of our freelance offense, found Cam because they overhelped, and Cam drilled it. It just it was a great basketball play. It was sound fundamentally, and Cam had the the stones to step up and and drill the shot when we needed it most. So that to me, on the at least on the offensive end, was the play of the game. And then on the defensive play, I don't know if you recall it, Dewey, but there was one play that talking about Kenny again. It was when Duke tried to lob a pass in. I don't recall who it was to, but Kenny was able to come down from the weak side, help sky up there, and just completely intercept the pass like he was playing free safety, basically. Do you know which yeah, play I'm talking it, about? If it's the one, if it's the one you're talking about, it was. There's about 30 seconds to go. I think we were up five or four, 
and Allen penetrated baseline and tried to throw. It's a play they've run forever for years. For years, they run uh, the pen- penetration goes baseline, and they they set kind of a back screen for a shooter to flare to the corner, or you know somewhere on the wing to catch and shoot an open three because they catch our defender who's guarding the shooter looking at the ball, and they hit him with a rear screen by a big, and then the guy's wide open. They've run it forever. Uh, and Kenny sniffed it out, saw it, and was able to go help the helper and intercept Grayson's pass. And that turnover led to a couple more free throws, and, and the game was over at that point. So if that's the possession you're talking about, uh, brilliant play by Kenny to anticipate, like I said, a play that no doubt he saw on film and they've run forever and uh, anticipated it, made a really athletic play, and uh, you know, put, the thing, uh, put the thing away for us on, with such a great defensive play, no doubt. So that was one, and the other one I think was earlier on in the game. I'm actually looking at the play-by-play now. It was at about the 10:45 mark where Kenny got his first steal of the game, and that was one where Duke was trying to get it inside. Carolina was up eight at that point, and so they had made the run, and Duke was kind of fighting back, and he got the steal, and that eventually led to Luke May getting the offensive rebound and then making a two-point shot that put the heels back up 10. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I don't. I don't remember it specifically, but uh, look, ton of big plays were made. Kenny, you know, made many of them, and he was terrific defensively. I think everybody has focused a lot on the shots that he made and and the offensive output. But the, the kid played his ass off defensively too, chasing guys around screens, trying to run shooters off the line. Just a guy that does everything that Coach Williams asks. So it's just. It's a simple statement, but it's awesome when great things happen to really good kids, and he is one of those. So it's it's fun to see. Absolutely. And then how about the coaching job that Coach Williams was able to do last night? I thought Coach Williams totally outcoached Krzyzewski last night, and I know that's been a thing on our message boards and, and out there that's been a conversation that people think Coach K outcoaches Coach Williams often. And I obviously am not of that opinion, but uh, I thought Coach Williams was brilliant last night. Uh, he obviously shortened up the bench a little bit, but he made the right tweaks and the right subs at the right times to get guys rest. Uh, he gave Joel the rest in the first half that I thought was important. He gave Kenny a, a good rest in the second half. He gave Cam and Luke a couple rests in the second half. And the levers that he pulled worked. I know there were times when people were worried because Brandon Robinson or Playtech were on the floor, but he also had Garrison in the game when he got those three critical offensive rebounds for us. Uh, well, obviously, we didn't get a ton of scoring or really any scoring off the bench, but Sterling's four free throws were all big for us. Uh, I just thought all the moves he made. And then finally, I'm sure people noticed, I haven't watched it on TV yet, but he put in a different wrinkle offensively for us. And we, you saw it there at the end of the game where we had Theo basically running point up at the top of the key and spreading the floor and just running a one on uh, or excuse me a two on two ball screen with him and Luke and surrounding it with our three shooters. That's a wrinkle. That's a different play than anything that we've run so far this year. And that was something that we you know we put in. And I thought it was just a great adjustment because they're so much bigger than us. And yes, they're hard for us to guard when when we're on defense, but they got to guard us too. So he's putting Bagley and Carter in ball screens together, making them figure out that communication and, and figure out the switch. If you're a big, you're typically used to being the one that has your man setting the screen. And for Bagley, he was having to guard Theo as the guy coming off the screen. And so we got some good looks off of that. And then ultimately, the last time we ran it, Theo refused the screen and then went in for what would have been 
a legendary dunk. He just lost the ball. So I thought that was a great wrinkle by Coach. I thought he absolutely won the chess match there. His subs were perfect. Uh, obviously had the guys motivated and, and focused on the defensive end and on rebounding. And it just, uh, I thought, it was a masterful performance. So then after the game, were you able to talk to the players and the staff? And I asked that kind of leading into my next question of how do you think the team is going to mentally ready themselves when they have to go to Raleigh to play state? Sure. I, I didn't speak to any of the players, but definitely saw the coaches up in the in the uh, basketball office after the game. And it's so funny to think about, you know, the life of a coach. Those guys, it, it hadn't been 25 minutes since the game was over, and they were already talking about, we got to make sure these guys get home and get rested and get hydrated and get treatment tomorrow, and we'll have a short practice tomorrow, and we'll look at the NC State clips and get the scouting report in and get a quick practice and then get these guys out and, and back so they can rest so we can play on Saturday. I mean, it's it, as great of a, a win as that was and as euphoric as everybody felt in the arena and as happy as coach Williams was and all those kinds of things it, it took about 20 minutes for them to turn their focus to state and uh and start getting ready for that and you know that's the life of a coach and the players I'm sure enjoyed it for a little bit longer than that you know hopefully for the rest of the night and and then got to bed and got some rest and and hopefully had a good practice today but uh that's the life of a coach and the coaching staff in a in a league like ours when you have one day off, when you have to play the biggest game of the year at home and then turn right around and go on the road. Luckily, we don't have to fly or really travel. That's a closer game, but uh, really tough turnaround. Hopefully, they'll be ready. Obviously, they're feeling confident and feeling great about how they played, and if they can bring the mental side like we've talked about, we should be able to win over there, no problem. I don't think they're going to shoot the ball like they shot against us at our place to steal that one from us, so... I feel good about how we're playing, and, and they're confident, and uh, I, I think we ought to win definitely the next two. And then I haven't looked past the schedule since then. So take care of State on Saturday, get Notre Dame at home, and, and then see where we're at. And we'll end the podcast on this one, Dewey. When you're looking at the season and just how the Heels are going to approach the rest of their games, how big of an impact do you think this win over Duke will have on their psyche and their confidence for basically the remainder of the season? It tells them, and not that they didn't know this, I don't think, but it confirms that they can beat anybody when they play like we played last night. Now, when you combine good shot making with taking care of the ball and being more attentive to our defensive principles than we have been at times, we can be really good. And the fact that we're small doesn't mean we can't beat teams with size. There's nobody in the country that's got quality bigs like Duke does, and we held our own and then some. So it shows us how good we can be. The only thing I would say is the line is still very thin for us. You know, we have to make shots because we shoot so many threes. I would love to look back at the box scores over the last 15 years. How many of those games did we shoot more threes than Duke? And last night we shot eight more than them. I mean, I don't know this. I'm going to guess that this is the first time it's ever happened, that we shot more threes than them. Uh, It just... It's just a different approach and and way that we play this year, given our personnel. So it can be tough because you can live and die by the three. And and we certainly had games this year where we've shot four for 28, and that's made life very difficult for us, and we've looked very ordinary. But I think with how well Cam is starting to play, I think his conditioning is finally getting there. Let's not forget that he was hurt and missed a big chunk of of the early season. I think Cam is becoming the player, hopefully, that we all thought he could be. Uh, He's getting to the rim a little bit. He's rebounding the ball, and he's no hesitation whatsoever when he catches and shoots. 
as long as it's not just Joel and Luke, as long as we have other guys contribute, would you want to play us in the tournament? I sure as hell wouldn't. Yeah, Carolina is a dangerous team, and especially in a year where the college basketball landscape is so up and down. I mean, really, aside from Virginia, where they just came out of nowhere to have the type of season that they are having, everyone else in the college basketball landscape is liable to lose any night. And if Carolina can get this confidence, and like you said, just get contributions from really one other person. Luke May and Joel Berry are constants at this point. But if the Heels can get one other guy to really start pouring it in, I think that come tournament time, they will be poised to make a run deeper than probably a lot of people expect. I, I think you're exactly right. No argument with that. It's got to be everybody. You know, We're not good enough. We don't have necessarily the lottery pick type talent that other teams have that we've had at times in the past. We don't have a Justin Jackson, ACC player of the year type. It's got to be everybody. But when we play together, when we play intelligent, we, like I said, take care of the ball, fight on the glass, and make shots. We can be really, really good. Really good. So it's going to be fun to see. Well, we'll just continue to enjoy this one, but the state game is right around the corner, so the coaches are focused on it. I think the fans will start looking to that one as well. But you know, for now, we're still going to bask in the glow of this one. So really appreciate you jumping on here with me, man. Thanks, man. That was good. Thanks. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.